The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast dedicated to fashion, the art of living well, and all things beauty. I'm your host, Dr. Shirley Madare, your purveyor of this definitive source of living your most beautiful life. This week's episode is dedicated to knowing yourself. Our topic is innovations and transformations in beauty, how global trends shape the future of beauty. And my interview is with Ms. Kelly Kovac. So I'm speaking with Kelly today, most recently the founder of Beauty Matter, which is an online newsletter about the trends in beauty and the business of beauty, and it features a highly curated and original content by thought leaders, including Kelly herself, as well as other beauty insiders. Prior to this venture of Beauty Matter, Kelly worked in fashion at Bergdorf Goodman, one of my favorites, and Chrome Hearts. (laughs) Pivoting from fashion into beauty, however, She gained experience at Bliss, where I believe, if this is correct, she helped lead the acquisition of Bliss by none other than LVMH. Pivoting again to entrepreneurship, Kelly helped co-create Chemistry and Purpose Built, which were both consulting agencies that that actually helped, uh, what would you say, startup brands and other brands to create their own products and take it to the next level. Yeah, taking concepts, bringing it to market. Voila. So she also then created her own brands, including Foundry New York City, which launched the fragrance Odin, one of my favorites. I think What was my favorite, number one or number three? Or maybe both? It was number three. Number three, thank you. And also now, Beauty Matter. Kelly has won numerous awards, such as the Pantone Color Award, Pent Award, Fifi, and a number of Allure Best of Beauty Awards. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, boy, you and I have known each other for years, (laughs) and I didn't know that you've done so much. I mean, it's been such an epic journey so far. It makes me tired, (laughs) actually, thinking about it. (laughs) I know, I was reading a lot, right? But knowing you, I know there's more to come, so let's dive right in. You first started in fashion. What did you learn about that industry that actually serves you today in beauty? Well, I think that fashion was sort of a very short-lived career. Um, and it started while I was supposed to be going to college. <laughs> okay. um, so I was actually um, managing Benetton stores. Oh, so wow. that also dates me. Um, managing <laughs> yeah, Benetton, Benetton stores <laughs> when I should have been going to school. That's okay. So that's sort of when I started um, my career in fashion. Um, got a degree in political science and philosophy, which I've clearly never used. Um, <laughs> moved to New York and ended up at Bergdorf Goodman um, as sort of a stepping stone. I thought that I wanted to be a buyer. 
Um, so I started on the sales floor because, yes. you know, they always tell you foot in the door. Yes. Um, but I was sold a little too much. So you I, was making, I was making way more than a buyer, an assistant buyer did. So that transition was never going to happen. Um, and also ended up realizing that, um, you know, I think my career has been a series of, at least early on, figuring out what I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, much more so than what I did want to do. I think which is equally important. Yeah, I think I think people sort of discredit how yeah. important that is, um, and ended up on the sort of supply side, if you will, of the fashion industry, mm-hmm. um, sort of selling leather, um, and that's how I worked um, with Chrome Hearts. Yes, um, and the fashion industry, uh, sort of back then, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's not as glamorous as people think. Um, and especially that. on the su- supply side, um, and sort of working for leather suppliers was like a very male environment. Yeah. Um, I think but I, I can, learned, I can relate to that. Yeah, I le- yeah exactly. <laughs> but I learned a lot because I learned how to have to compete and be taken seriously and how, and, you know, at a very, I guess, young age yeah. realized how, you know, not to let emotions get involved in business decisions. And, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, you have to show up as a female sometimes and be more prepared than everyone. Absolutely. So that was sort of the learning ground for that. Yes. Very valuable. <clears throat> yeah. It went sort of, um, it went a little wrong, the environment. <laughs> and I was really young yeah. and um, ended up at bliss by just one of those random decisions you make in your life. Mm. Um, a friend was going to run bliss that didn't exist yet. Okay. It was still Let's Face It. Okay. It was called Let's Face It? It was called Let's Face It was oh. Marcia's first um, uh, first sort of facial studio. And this is Marcia Kilgore, right? Marcia Kilgore. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had this idea for bliss. Yes. Um, I was just going to answer the phones for the summer. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> yes. Uh, she got my resume yeah. and wanted to know what I did. I was right. running supply and um, production. Uh, and she said, oh, your friend can run the catalog I want to do. Oh. So back then, beauty products were not sold through catalogs. No, they weren't. Um, I was just like, I don't know how to do that. She said, I don't know how to do that either. We'll figure it out. If the summer comes and it doesn't work out, you're not happy, go back and work for fashion. And so that was sort of it. And it was that light bulb moment of, I'm good at this and I can be creative and run a business. And it all sort of came together. And that's sort of how I fell into the beauty industry. Wow. Um, I built the Bliss catalog. Yes, congrats. Um, and then it was... That was major. Um, I remember yeah. receiving it and then pouring through it like, yeah, I'd like that. It was just so whimsical, but light, serious beauty, but still not so serious. Yeah, I mean, that was all Marcia's voice. Yeah. I mean, she had a very, very clear vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there were a handful of us that, like, we were all sort of the same age. Yes. So we just kind of got it. Yeah. And we didn't know any better. <laughs> So we made lots of mistakes, but we also didn't have any preconceived ideas of what was or was not possible. You were sort of first to market with that. Yeah, I mean, I got told by lots of people, you can't sell skincare through the mail, you can't sell makeup through the mail, you actually, you couldn't sell anything through the mail. At the time, right? And I didn't understand why Why I came from fashion. Um, And then slowly, slowly, we kind of figured it out. I mean, the stories are funny. Um, But we created a whole new distribution channel. But we didn't even realize, I think, I don't think we realized what What we were, the big change we were making, because we were just like in the zone. Yes. 
Um, and, you know, bliss sort of right time, right place, right group of people. Wow. And um, it was sort of, I think, part of the first sort of indie mm. beauty trend. Yes. Although indie beauty brands have always been around, I think. Right. Yes. Um, well, they but, have to start from someplace, right? Right. Estee Lauder. Estee Lauder started from someplace. Right. People <laughs> tend to forget that. Yes. Um, but it was the time when Bobby Brown was just starting, NARS was just starting, Creme de la Mer was one product, um, Stila, you know, so there were all these brands that now are sort of legacy brands, if you will, um, that got their starts then. So that's a long-winded answer to your question. That's a great answer. I love the story. My next question, you answered it. I was going to ask you, how did you transition into beauty? Voila. I fell into it. You fell into it. But you know what? In hearing that story, it really wasn't random. Because I've... I, I know you, and we've talked about beauty and the business of beauty, and you really have a deep insight into beauty and how it works and how it doesn't work sometimes. So I, I really value that, that beautiful brain of yours, and you. um, I'll, I'll get you to share some more okay. about that later. So what's the most exciting aspect of the beauty industry now, in your opinion? You know, the beauty industry, I would say, in the past, five years has yeah. changed so, so much. much very recently so much um i mean you know and, and it's not just a lot of people attribute it to social media mm-hmm. and yes that allows you to sort of scale a brand probably f- yes faster than you ever could yes if you get the traction if you get the traction absolutely. and you used to be able to do that five years ago now you have to spend your way to doing absolutely. it absolutely so even I know sort all of, about it right <laughs> so and but i think it's the um for me it's it is sort of um in talking about trends and um and business models there's almost this I don't know if dichotomy is the the right word, but there's there's polar opposites yeah. happening. Yeah. So on one hand, you have these business models that are kind of based on chasing trends yes. and hoping they they hit them they right. Hit. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hoping they hit more than they miss. Yes. Um, and sort of this speed to market, like this fast beauty. Yeah, fast approach. beauty. Fast exactly. Beauty. Yep, that's what I call it. Fast beauty. <clears throat> and fast beauty is mm, I would say nine times out of 10, maybe more than that, not clean beauty. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, That's you right. have this sort of clean beauty yep. movement, which is still happening fast, yes. but it has different requirements. Yes. And you know, so you have those trends and then everything in the, in middle. the middle. And then even aesthetically, I'm sure you see it, you have sort of that sort of, that selfie moment. People oh, have yeah. highly contoured, the lashes, the yes, everything. The volume, the contours, the lines, the, the angles, the shadows. The extensions. Everything. The, and then on the other side, you have sort of this movement to wearing no makeup and yeah. being natural. Yeah. So they're sort of these polar opposites. And I think most people, both sort middle. of, they live in the middle. Yeah. Um, they live in the middle or they live on the extremes as well, yeah. depending on what's going on in their life. So I think it's a very... It's a really interesting time from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are these really big shifts happening in um, in the way we do business, um, sort of culturally, um, society, in, in society. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll take the politics out Let's of the equation. Let's take the politics out of the but equation. It does, <laughs> but I mean, it does, it, it, it affects businesses. It does, it does. Um, but you have this really interesting thing happening with gender. Mm. And, and gender fluidity. Gender, and gender fluidity and how people, I, I, um, I 
identify yeah. with gender or don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, and it's not about like guys wearing makeup. Right. It's more. It's, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. And I, I think agree. that I think it's going to have like right now. It's a. It's sort of a trend. Yes. But you see, sort of. You know, there are brands like Kiehl's has always been unisex. That's true. So it's not a, it's not sort of, it's sort of an extension yeah. of that. Yeah. But I think it's even going to affect how we market differently. Because I, I was doing um, a, a, a consumer survey. Yes. And thinking about how you identify. So you can't say just, you know, Male, male, female, female anymore. Right. Or even other. Or even other. <laughs> so you really have to, you know, I think it is going to sort of even kind of change how we market. I do Because too. you want to be inclusive. Inclusive. You want to be all inclusive. Yeah. And I think the other big thing is, especially in beauty, because yes. beauty is also a really dirty business. Yeah. Um, in the way we man- manufacture, oh, the yeah. amount of plastic we put into oh, the I universe. Know. Yeah, it's true. Um, and I, I think that the big guys are really making an effort um, you know, most have like a 2025 yep. goal or 2020 goal. Like the millennial uh, development goals, you know, try to it, improve the environment. Exactly. They try to be consistent with that. There is some effort. Exactly. Mm. But there are small brands yep. that are really making profound, um, yeah. profound changes. changes. And I Thank think goodness. that brands are going to, either you're going to be sustainable. Or you're not. Or you're not going to be in business Um, because consumers want it and governments are starting to regulate into it. So consumers and government are kind of in lockstep on this thing. Absolutely. And when you have those two together, they tend to spearhead major changes that brands should be ready for. And, you know, we only have one planet, so it's the right thing to do as well. Although according to some business people, we may actually be traveling to other planets. Yeah, yeah well, but, but, but you know, it's like, well, we're just going to go there and destroy yeah, that know, one that, too. I don't know. I don't know. But I love the way that you describe the two extremes of beauty. And I know for myself, I tend to veer towards the natural. Mm-hmm. But for example, this podcast, I zhuzh it up. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking photos. We have you video. have to. I, I zhuzh up. But for the most part, I, I tend to live in the middle also. Yeah. There are moments when you judge and there are moments when you aren't and you just want to be free and have absolutely yeah. nothing on, yeah. including clothing. But that's not a topic for <laughs> conversation right now. <laughs> so you, you, you touched upon this and um, in terms of the environment mm-hmm. and sustainability. But what are your thoughts on the natural beauty and the organic beauty movement? I, I get excited about it, but I also know that there really is no true definition. There aren't mm-hmm. really established standards, perhaps as they, there are in Europe. So where do you think that's going? Um, I think, well, in the United States, yes. there, aren't, there aren't updated regulations on anything. Um, you know, let alone sort of yeah. natural and organic. Right. So that's sort of a whole, yeah, a whole other topic. But I think it's um, it's a tricky question because I think a lot of the a lot of the associations mm-hmm. that brands make are based, hopefully, on what is the DNA or sort of the purpose of the brand. Some of them are opportunistic, and yeah. I mean that's fine too. Um, but you know, it's confusing. Yeah. It's confusing. It's confusing to consumers. But I also think that you know, there's sort of confusion at all touch points. Yeah. So you know, I think sometimes consumers are more educated. But you have retailers in the mix who want a piece of that business. So they all have their own identification, yeah. or sorry, their own sort of criteria of what's 
clean. Clean or natural, right. Um, and it changes. Yes. So as a brand, it's like, okay, well, if I want to have a retail plan, who am I going to develop into? Right. Um, and they, send, they tend to be different also, but yes. the confusion is, are they all the same? And clean is actually different from... Clean is actually different from natural, yes. which is different from organic. Yes. So, you know, and on, and it also is sort of tied to the supply chain. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of brands don't have visibility right. really to where their ingredients are coming from. So they're not really controlling their supply chain. Right. Some of them are. Yeah. And consumers are demanding that more and more. Right. Yeah. But Transparency. If, you know, or, organic ingredients mm-hmm. are sometimes not as stable. You know, like if you go to the farmer's market right. and you buy produce, right. it doesn't last Very as long. True. That's right. So no preservatives. No preservatives. So, you know, it's like, it's a tricky question because, yeah. you know, people, people build beauty brands to make money. So it also needs to be kind of a sustainable business. Um, You know, so organic, you have to, organic ingredients are sort of regulated to to be able to use the designation. Yes. Natural, I mean, not everything that's natural is good for you. Right. Like, you you don't want to rub poison ivy all all over yourself. Like, just because it's natural also doesn't mean, it can also be natural and toxic. That's true. And speaking of natural and toxic, I actually have a very quick story. I performed a facelift on a patient and when I had done the facelift, I had extended the incision into her mm-hmm. hairline to, to hide it. She thought, right after surgery, that a natural disinfectant would be to rub tea tree oil all over the oh. incision in her hairline. So upon follow, which I was not aware of, and upon follow up, I asked why the hairline scar was looking not healthy, and she admitted to me that she had rubbed tea tree oil on it, thinking that it was going to help prevent infection. So, to your point, sometimes natural yeah. ingredients are toxic. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of bad information out there. There's a lot of information. Um, a lot of information, and you know, and without are- someone credible to help you suss through it, right? I think the 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 sort of the clean um, connotation has probably the broadest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is zero regulation around that, mm. or non toxic for that matter. Right. Um, and you know, clean kind of lives in this world of um, brands that want to have a sort of. Um, organics and naturals, but they also want to be able to use synthetics, um, which are not necessarily bad. bad. Right. You know, sometimes they make a product more efficacious. Mm-hmm, very true. Um, so it really depends on, I think, from a, a brand owner or even as a consumer. Yes. It is, you know, have have a belief in something and develop into it. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And I think consumers, I think brands are sort of, especially indie brands, you kind of have to pick your niche and speak yeah. to that consumer. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking to everyone or, or trying to be everything to yeah. everyone has never worked and right. it really doesn't work now for exactly that reason. Now, speaking of different ingredients and, and having sort of a brand philosophy to stick by, what do you think of probiotic skincare and also plant stem cells. I have my own opinions. <laughs> um I think it's really I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I think you know, I think what's what is um what's really interesting about 
kind of what's happening in beauty today, aside from sort of the business things we talked about, yes. is this true merging of health, beauty, and wellness. 100%. And so, you know, being in the spa world 20-some years ago, yeah. We talked about beauty from the inside out, but yeah. it was kind of like this crunchy granola, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. And now it's become very mainstream. And in my practice, it's always been that way. Exactly. Beauty from the inside out. And I think that, I think the fact that we're living healthier lifestyles, I think that's the exciting thing yeah. is that people really are approaching sort of beauty as kind of a holistic endeavor. Thank goodness. Um, and, you know, I love the fact that there is a place in, say, on Sephora shelves for yes. supplements now. Yes. It's not that people hadn't tried to do that before. Of course. But they the timing get, was the not The timing right. was not right. Yeah. And so the timing is right for so many of those um, sort of what was considered alternative practices. Yes. Meditation. Yes. Acupuncture. Um, they're all part of the, they're all a part of the continuing spectrum of exactly. beauty. Exactly. Which exactly. is wellness. Exactly. I, I love that. And thank goodness the holistic approach to beauty is coming back in favor because then I'm relevant again. Well, people, <laughs> people still want that quick fix. That's, that's I, I mean, you yeah. know, it's, I think it's finding, I think for consumers, it's finding what that balance is for Agreed. you, like what's right for you. Agreed. So you mentioned Sephora. Is there too much beauty out there? Are the shelves of Sephora and Ulta Beauty simply beyond overwhelming? I know when I walk through the aisles, because I have some knowledge of ingredients and preservatives and actives and what they're supposed to do, I can, I can sort of figure things out. But your average consumer, for example, who is inundated with, if it's not social media, then, I don't know, television commercials, whatever the case may be, is, is it too much? I have, in my entire career, yes. I have never seen so many beauty brands before in my life. And, lot. you know, yeah, I mean, you can look on the, 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 um, the shelves of Sephora, but, you know, there are entire trade shows dedicated to indie beauty brands. And I walk through them and I'm like, where on earth are all these products going to go? And fragrance, the same thing. There are trade shows just for indie fragrance. And yeah. I'm like... Who's buying all this product? <laughs> People and, like Maze try everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think it's great because yeah. it's sort of, you know, beauty is really built on kind of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I also think we've, we've been in a period of really, really healthy, sort of a really healthy M&A environment. Yes where, you know, people mortgage their homes thinking they're going to have a billion dollar valuation and get bought by Estee Lauder. Right. And that is the exception. Um, so, you know, I think there's, um, you know, I have lots of entrepreneurs that come to me. Yes. And I'm like, make sure you do a business plan. Make sure you have a financial model. Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into because there's, there's a lot. And yeah. it's really incredibly competitive. Um, but I think what's interesting, um, you know, I started my career in retail and I love those kind of like independent yeah. stores, any kind of store. Yeah. I still like getting handwritten notes. Like yeah. I miss those days of just like good old fashioned customer service. Right. It goes a long way. Yeah. Um, but you're, I think we're sort of seeing with the, um, 
with the the launches of like detox mar- market, oh, Folane, yes. right Credo, you're seeing sort of smaller size, fo- smaller format yeah. stores mm-hmm. that have a real opinion. Um, around a product assortment. So they're sort of doing the curation. That's true. And I I think maybe that is is where we're going to see some growth. Even, um, uh, why is it? It has totally escaped me. It will come back to me. But even Kith, the the sneaker store, they're doing beauty drops now. No. Yes, I'm obsessed. Okay. (laughs) You like them. No, I, they do these monthly beauty drops the same oh way they gosh. do for limited edition for their wear. own product for their no. own no just other people yeah they did oh, a wellness genius. drop it's oh, so genius. smart we might have to get in touch yeah. with Kith you should because I I I am like so I kind of think the interesting thing is you know You're sort of cross referencing yeah. cross yeah because, contamination if you will bec- yeah because yeah. what's happened is. Um, cross-pollination beauty has really nice margins yes it doesn't have the same sort of discount cycle Mm -hmm. that fashion has yes so a lot of apparel retailers are getting into the beauty category because it's incremental it's incremental sales yes um it can add freshness um you know and it's for the common good it's for the common good more beautiful place and and i think that (laughs) what we've realized is consumers don't care where they buy beauty so you know, where once there used to be this very, if you are a luxury brand, you were sold at Neiman Marcus, right, Dr. Goodman, yes. you, you knew where your channel of distribution was. Right. Now brands almost have this like channel agnostic approach to distribution. Mm. And it's around like, you know, there are, um, there are wellness stores that yeah. are selling beauty. I know. Um, there are, I mean, Yoga I Yoga studios selling yo- CBD. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lululemon is doing a personal care line. Wow. So everyone kind of wants a piece of yeah. kind of, you know, those beauty margins. Right. And, but not everyone is credible and authentic. And that is very true. Mm-hmm. That is very true. So you mentioned M&As. Um, you actually have an entire sort of tutorial um, on your site about uh, funding and how to capture um, support for startup Mm -hmm. brands and even actually some established brands. What would you say the climate now is like for finance and beauty and tech? Are there, are the angels and the VCs intentionally looking to invest in beauty brands, especially beauty brands that have a tech component? It is... The appetite you know, is voracious, the, I the presume. Appet- <laughs> I mean, the appetite is there because um, of sort of these big sales that have happened. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, I think, I'm trying to think of, I don't know how many, but there, there's probably about five brands that have these sort of unicorn billion dollar statuses. Yeah. And that was, like that. I mean, having a billion dollar evaluation was just not something that happened five years right. ago. Until Shark Tank. Until Shark Tank. <laughs> so I think that, um, I think beauty in, in sort of this economic environment, I mean, it's healthy. The margins are yeah. healthy. Um, the multiples are really healthy. Um, so what I've seen is that a lot of people who have never invested in the beauty space mm-hmm. want a piece of it. Yes. So it's made it more competitive. Absolutely. Um, strategics are paying higher multiples, wow. which is sort of making it prohibitively expensive for some of the, um, the VCs and right. PEs. So it's, it's from a, from a 
sort of a finance end of the the industry, it's highly competitive right mm. now. Yeah. Um, I think what we're what we're starting to see are incubators pop up. Yes. Which in it's very common in tech. Beauty doesn't have that many people who can sort of invest in that sort of call it startup to yep. three million dollar. Yes. And so many really really good right. brands yeah. sort of like die on the vine yeah, because that, yeah. they couldn't get the the funding, the funding. they needed mm-hmm. um, because you know I I mean I'm not a finance person I'm a <laughs> marketing and brand strategy yes. person I kind of call it Kelly math but I'm like <laughs> I like you Kelly know, math the, there's you know people chase growth and yes. having had some of some of my own startups and yes. self-funding them. Yes. Growth is fantastic, but growth also requires a tremendous amount of money. Absolutely. So Recurring when, investment. Yeah. So when Understood. you're, so even though you might have a really successful indie brand and you have people who want it, yes. you still have to run the productions. So your productions get bigger, bigger. and bigger. That's right. And you're, you're trying to sort of float the cash, but then something comes in late. So then people are chasing you for money, but you yeah. don't have product right. and it becomes this vicious cycle. Yes. So a lot of people, unless you've kind of been through that, mm-hmm. don't really anticipate, anticipate like it. how, um, it's like a runaway freight yeah. train and you want to keep feeding it. Of course. But then, you know, so I think that's the trickiest thing mm. is sort of getting um, getting that early funding. But there's, you know, the incubators are, there are a lot of smart people yeah. putting these incubators together. together. So, um, you know, hopefully there'll be, that's where yeah. um, brands will get sort of the, the funding they need. Um, other than that, you know, if you're starting up, it's friends and family. Yeah, like people want to have like proof anything. of concept. Yeah. Um, and angels, but yeah. even angels want to know. It's like it's, true. it's not charity. No, it isn't. Um, it's it's an investment. So they want to know true. that they're what they're investing in as well. So if there's a lot of people looking for money. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of people looking to invest, but yeah. sometimes it's, there's an expectation of a return. There is, and there aren't enough brands that are of scale. Yeah. Um, they're sort of a shortage because yeah. they've all been acquired because it's yeah. been sort of so active. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So in the, in the same manner, is tech helping to shape the future of beauty? And is is that, if there's a tech component in a beauty brand, does that make it more attractive for acquisition or just in general to the consumer base? I think it depends. Oh. Um, I, think, I think it needs to, technology needs to make sense. Yes. And I think, um, I think technology... It needs to be intentional and yes. it needs to serve a purpose. Right. So you can't just throw tech Into onto it. a jar of cream right. and say, oh, I'm worth more money. Right. Um, or what about AI? I mean, does well, that... Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's it's a matter of... I, I kind of think of tech as there are definitely tech solutions that are sort of more enterprise yes. kind of focused where they can be applied to sort of any brand. Yes. But I think when I, when um, you talk about a beauty tech, yes. so it's sort of like the, the product and the technology. Yeah. I think the technology needs to support of the course. product and the positioning. It needs to make sense. So the product and the brand needs to be there. And then I think the technology needs to add the value. Be complementary and add value. Um, yeah. So I think it's I think it's really interesting 
and frightening what technology can do. (laughs) I mean, you know, a lot of apps that are tied to um, either replenishment Mm -hmm. or sort of subscription bases or sort of personalizing um, your skin. They're capturing so much data. I know. That Um, is what is exciting but scary yeah and it's the data that is the valuable knowledge is power the more you know someone because you can be smarter in your development um but that being said it's like okay yes you get all this data but you have to do something with it so you actually have to have a strategy for how you're going to action the data and a team to be able to help you sort through that data and you know i think the you know the strangest thing is you know People, beauty brands now have like data scientists on their team. Like, <laughs> I, I know Nobel Prize winners. No, it's it is sort of how, PhDs. Yeah, how beauty teams are structured. They include people who, I mean, probably never in a million years thought that they would end up in the beauty industry. Fascinating. But it is this sort of technology component yeah. and sort of um, digital marketing. Yes requires data scientists if you want to like crunch the data crunch and the be numbers that billion dollar brand yeah it, as you said it requires an upfront investment and yeah. ongoing investment yeah. so speaking of different technologies in the beauty industry do let's talk about social media just a bit do you think that social media has leveled the playing field and created more opportunities or has it actually muddied the landscape a little bit because again we mentioned at least on the shelves of Sephora and Ulta Beauty there's just so much so does it help? Does it hinder? I think that I think there was this moment where it leveled the playing field. And that's where you had these brands scale so fast. Oh, yeah. Because they had tapped into something that um, sort of the strategics were left flat-footed. Yeah. So they had this competitive advantage. True. That doesn't exist anymore. No. <laughs> um, and... That sort of organically growing a community on social media, that's really hard to do now as well. Except we're trying to do it right now. Very, very challenging. And, you know, and also when you're like, oh, okay, I think I've got this figured out. Like I'm getting (laughs) really amazing engagement on Instagram. And then you're like, oh. It's short-lived. 20 people liked it because (laughs) they shifted the algorithm. And you're like, well... I don't even know why it was working before, but it's not now. So right. it's, um, I don't I don't think, I think we've moved beyond it yeah. leveling the playing field. And I think now, in many respects, it's being manipulated. So I think that it's, it's a great way to build community. Yes. But it costs money to build yeah. that community. And I also think that, you know, there's sort of a dark underbelly to all of it. Like, right. I would not want to be a teenage girl growing oh, up today. Oh, my gosh. Um, how like the, the, the pressure, pressure, I I just, you know, there's, it's, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, you know, makeup, skin, hair, beauty, clothing, bags, shoes, friends, oh, likes. And people can be mean and it's all very public. And so I think there's, you know, I think the, the. I think there is going to be this, like people are already doing digital detoxes and I think, you know, we're seeing more and more um, sort of events happening sort of offline Offline. and people wanting connections. So, I mean, social media is, it's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It's part of the equation. It's part of the new normal. It is part of the new normal and I Mm -hmm. think you have to choose like, you know, 
what is your platform. Right. Um, you, it doesn't necessarily have to be all of them. Right. So I think, you know, it's it's here. It's how you want to use it. But it's, I agree. Um, and, you know, I think how you want to use it and how you want to show up. Right. You know, like, I think one of the things that I, I guess maybe I'm just really naive, but there have has been this trend of people, brands being sort of found out yeah. about writing bad reviews on competitors. Oh my gosh. Um, <sighs> brands writing fake reviews on their own. Like there's this manipulation yeah, happening. Yeah, the art of war can be truly distasteful. Yeah, I mean, it just would never occur to me. And me neither. But it's happening. But it's happening, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know, what is your ethical compass? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one? Do you have one? <laughs> um, so, you know, I think, I think, but I think that's important for brands to, and it usually starts from the top and goes down, right? It, so. so I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what innovations uh, were the most exciting for you in the past year or two? I know beauty has changed quite a lot in the past five five years and then what upcoming innovations in beauty are you most excited about so we're excited about in the past few years and are excited about in the future um what was I excited I was I think what I was excited well I'm still excited about it but I think is the role of content so there was, and this kind of, I think, goes, it kind of dovetails with social media, but mm-hmm. also maybe predates it, mm-hmm. um, where... Content was always there, in my opinion. It was, it's just now being distributed in different ways with other tools. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I think about it from how I develop brands. So, you know, having sort of a history of yes. knowing what things were. Yes. Um you know, you used to develop these brand stories and and founder bios yes. and taglines and right. you pushed it out there and you right. wanted everyone to be consistent. Right. And at some point, I took those but started almost treating brands like content platforms. So creating pillars mm. of what a brand stands for, stands for. and the taking brand values. the brand values mm-hmm. but making them actionable. And also taking brand stories yes. and breaking them down into, into snippets of bite-sized 140 characters or less. <laughs> well, sometimes more than <laughs> and that. Sometimes more than that. <laughs> but that they could stand alone or you could kind of put them together. So almost creating a brand yes. in kind of this toolbox approach. Like a collage approach. Yeah, because you people kind of pick were picking and choosing. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was also a matter of, you know, needing to create value for yes. your customer. So, and value is not always about discounting. That's it's right. sort of like, how can you show up and add value to, right. to your consumer's right. life? Yeah, um, show up authentically, authentically so that it feels real. So, you know, is it through customization and personalization or is it through um, sort of conferences and events where you're providing education? Is it a blog that's lifestyle that makes sense? But like, what are those things that you can bring into your consumer's life that add value, but also sort of add context to your brand? Um, And I think that was sort of a fundamental shift Shift. that I think it's still happening. I think a lot of brands struggle with content strategies. Um, But I I think the brands that think like publishers, and you know it's very interesting that a lot of brands are going back to direct mail. 
Interesting. Yep. Direct mail is a new trend. Well, what's old is new. Yeah, because acquiring consumers online is yeah. so expensive. And so, yeah. So Away is doing this amazing, um, it's more of a magazine than a catalog. Yeah. Um, but brands are doing catalogs again. Wow. And brands are doing sort of branded magazines that live online yes. and offline. So I think, you know, I think that was sort of something that was really interesting and still yeah. interests me and yeah. sort of what sort of led me to launch Beauty Matter. But I think what interests me now... Well, if I just may yeah. say with regard to Beauty yes. Matter, you, I have always thought that you are a brilliant writer. So I subscribe to beautymatter.com and I read it all, every single issue that I receive. It is not only, I mean, it is highly curated, but you just seem to be able to know what people who do have a passion as well as a healthy respect for, for the beauty industry, you seem to know what we want to read. And you, your content is it's fantastic for those people who are in this Thank space and, and I applaud you for it. Thank so you. you do think like a publisher, but you go beyond thinking like a publisher because you are in it and you disseminate information in a way that is beyond easily digestible, but also entertaining and, and, and educating. Thank you. I, I mean, I think there are a lot of people who create good content and I think everyone, we do a lot of curation and aggregation because I think that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. And there are a lot of smart people out there. So why not share content and share it with different audiences? So we have a lot of relationships like that. Um, and, you know, from the original content, you know, I sort of approach it from a brand owner mm -hmm. and a strategist. Yes. So if I think something is relevant yeah. to me, yeah. then I think it'll be relevant to someone else. Yes. So, I mean, I'm not a journalist. So, and I think that's probably the difference. My lens is maybe a little bit broader, um, or maybe I can make connections yeah. because I've sort of been in that situation. Yes. Um, so back to what you're excited about. What I'm, what I'm excited about now. I, upcoming future yeah. prospects. You know, I am really excited about what's happening What's happening with sustainability, but in a very, um, in a, in it, it, it kind of is, it's very much based on technology because it's going to require a lot of innovation. Absolutely. Um, I think we've gotten there from a formulation standpoint. Yes. And I think the formulation, um, like the clean formulas. Yes. Um, even the waterless formulas have come a long way, and, but I think packaging has been lagging. Um, supply but there are, side, potentially. And the supply side. Yeah. Um, but I think there's so much cool innovation happening in packaging now. Yeah. Um, and it's really, you know, it's really been driven by small brands. Yeah. Um, so, so recyclable materials actually can be sexy and beautiful. Not only recyclable, compostable. Compostable. But it gets, you know, but it also gets really technical. Yes, it does. And the people who are into zero waste beauty yeah. or um, like they're really into, into it. it. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, I'm not sure how I got all the way down this path. I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> down the about. rabbit hole, right. Um, because even there aren't any 
in the in Europe there are standards for composting yes. in the US there are not and right. then it's like is it industrial compostable mm -hmm. or is it garden compostable right. so it all gets very technical um, but there are small brands like Lolly Beauty yes. who's the first zero waste beauty brand kudos to Lolly kudos to Lolly because Tina Hedges who's the founder she yes. also happens to be a friend and yes. <laughs> a really like brilliant human Amazing being human being but you know she really approached it from and she came from sort of the traditional beauty background great but we'll have had, Tina on the podcast yeah but had this moment of I have put a lot of toxic stuff into the world and, and I want to make to my skin and into my yeah, body and I want to make a difference and she also comes from um, a, a Cuban Jamaican background yes. so there is kind of that yes um, go back to the earth back to the earth absolutely um, but she has completely changed how products are being made and packaged so she's using food gourd Food grade ingredients, Amazing. waterless products, tracing all of her ingredients. There's highly no, transparent. Highly transparent, addressing human trafficking in beauty. I know, which I, is not even a topic. I know, but it should but be. But it should be. Um, and the packaging is, you know, either recyclable, reusable, yes. or compostable. And Amazing. she's she's had to like push vendors I'm sure who she's say had to fight for you it. can't do it. Yep. And you get, but now it's happening the other way around. That's right, yeah. So there are packaging suppliers that are doing R&D and they need brands that will take the chance and try and commercialize yeah. something. Yeah. So that's what excites me now because yeah. I think it's also making an impact um, and doing good in the process. Absolutely. Which is she and Lolly Beauty are definitely helping to yeah. make the world. And there are a lot a of other brands place. as well. Oh, yeah. That's just one that I know yeah. sort of intimately, but it's yeah. like those kind of brands that are really putting the work in. Yeah. Are, are mavericks. Absolutely. But who but who also those brands have a big heart and they're yes. seeing it beyond themselves and just another beauty it's product. Like they're it's using, a mission. It's a mission. Beauty, oh my gosh. It's it's, it's, it's purpose driven beauty and it's using beauty as a platform. I love that topic, and we will get more into the topic of beauty and innovation and transformation with Kelly Kovac in part two. Thank you for listening. Until then, stay beautiful inside and out. You've just listened to part one of Forever Fab podcast. Please stay tuned for part two. Coming up next.